0: Regardless of what hand is being given to us outside in the world, if we have the awareness and the tools to know how to cope, we don't have to fall back into old behaviors. And I guess if we do, there's something else for us to learn.
1: This is the Alchemize Life Podcast, and I am your host, Ava Johanna. Transformational mentor, speaker, teacher, and most importantly, a woman on a mission to bring wellness to the world. This podcast was created to bridge the gap for anyone craving more love, health, and happiness in each and every day. And with every episode, you will receive practical guidance to create magic in your own life. Combining the expertise of wellness visionaries and thought leaders, each week we will bring it back to basics and provide you with the tools meant to empower you to thrive emotionally, physically, and spiritually. So together, let's ditch the mean girl, you can't sit with us vibes, grab your favorite yoga pants, and start to find your uniquely alchemized life. Welcome back to the podcast, you guys. I'm so excited for today's episode. I teased it a little bit last week in my solo episode all about channeled messages for money. If you have not listened to that yet, hold the phone. Go back, listen to that episode. It's really, really powerful to help support you in moving from a place of scarcity into a place of abundance. And you know, I think that that ties into today's episode really beautifully with Amber Romaniac. She is a good friend of mine. I think that the moment that we started talking to each other, we just connected on like a soul sister level and it was so much fun having her on the podcast. I'm actually recording for her podcast tomorrow, so I'll be out there soon. Um, but she's an emotional eating, digestive, and hormone expert who helps professional women achieve optimal health through mindful eating, self-care, and overcoming self-sabotage with food. Her podcast is called the No Sugar Coating Podcast, and it has over a half a million downloads, over 200 episodes, and is listened to in over 82 countries. So she teaches her clients body freedom. And one of the things that we like totally got excited by, which you'll hear in this episode, is that it does go a lot deeper than just nutrition. Amber is also super spiritual and her spiritual practices have supported her in showing up for herself whenever emotional things come up, but also showing up for her clients as well and empowering them to learn the tools necessary to be able to show up for themselves when they are experiencing either the lack or the scarcity or the desire to kind of slide back into old habits. So it's a really, really powerful episode. And you know, to be honest, in this time of staying at home and quarantining and social distancing, It can be easy to fall back into old patterns. I've definitely seen myself slip in a lot of cases. And I think that this episode will just be a nice little zinger to help support you in staying on track and just staying inspired. And Amber just inspires me so much. So I'm so grateful to have her on. If you are not already following her, take a moment, hit pause, head over to Instagram. Her Instagram is Amber Romaniac, and that is R-O-M-A-N-I-U-K. Her website is amberapproved.ca, and again, her podcast is called The No Sugar Coating Podcast. But before we jump into this week's episode, I announced something really, really special last Thursday. And even as I am talking right now, I feel so many butterflies in my belly, in my body. And I am just so excited to share with you guys the Academy of Breath, my certification program for anyone looking to expand their core offering into breathwork and meditation. So this isn't only just for facilitators though. This is for any individual that is looking to deepen their practice and really understand on a scientific and spiritual level, what happens when we include breathwork and meditation in our daily lives. So I'm going to be teaching you tons of different breathwork exercises and techniques that support you, whether you are looking to balance your nervous system, help support your hormones, help support your immune system, help support your digestion. I'm also going to be teaching you breathwork techniques that allow you to connect to divine, to deepen your connection to your intuition to kind of open the floodgates of your creativity as well as as usual, as we know, decrease stress and anxiety. So these techniques are powerful, you guys, and I've been practicing them for years now. And I'm a certified meditation and breathwork instructor. I've worked with tons of different people from celebrities to different brands like Aloe Yoga. And I just knew that I needed to get these practices and techniques out to as many people as possible. And I know that, as I always say, the greatest teachers teach other teachers how to be... Teachers. That is not how I meant to say it, but you guys can. You get the point. Teachers create other teachers versus having you to rely on me. So I want to empower other teachers to be able to teach breathwork and meditation for themselves as well as in one-on-one group or virtual settings because these practices really will change your life. And I know that whether it is you meditating to release stress and anxiety or you meditating to channel messages from money like I did last week, or you meditating to have that million dollar idea Committing to this practice, committing to breathwork and meditation will change your life in the most friggin' phenomenal ways because it's changed my life and it's changed so many others' lives. And I know that meditation and breathwork, like a hundred years from now, people are going to look at it in the same way that we looked at brushing your teeth at one point, like... Hundreds of years ago, people didn't brush their teeth and now we're like, what the fuck? They didn't brush their teeth? I think that meditation is gonna be the same way where people a hundred years from now are gonna be like, wait, they didn't meditate? What? It's mental hygiene, you guys. It's mental hygiene. And that's why breath work and meditation are so powerful. That's why I'm so passionate about it. And that's why the Academy of Breath is going to fucking kick ass. And yes, I say that with all my F bombs and my sailor mouth because I'm excited. I am so excited to bring this into the world for the woman who is ready to expand her core offering and really show up and serve people the spiritual tools that they have been looking for and craving. And In doing so, I know that those of you that join the Academy of Breath are going to be so much more connected to your intuition, so much more connected to that wealth of creativity that lives inside of all of us, so much more confident in your ability to teach, your ability to speak on these topics, your ability to show up for your community, and so much more abundant and magnetic because that's what these practices do. So for those of you that are interested in learning more about the Academy of Breath and registering... We begin the first week of June, so there's still so much time for you to be able to sign up and register. You can head to the show notes for the link. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to me via Instagram or via email. I'd be happy to answer. The founding teachers that come through this first round, the class of 2020, are going to be eligible to teach at the Breath Summit, which is my in-person live training that I'll be doing next year. And I... I just am so excited for this group that's gonna be coming together. So again, link is in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoy this episode. And if you guys have any questions about this episode, wanna share it with your audience, wanna share it with your community, make sure to tag the podcast at The Alchemized Life and I will see you next week. Amber, I'm really excited to have you on because I don't really know a lot about nutrition, about emotional eating. I know that I do it. um, But I am definitely a newbie when it comes to looking at our eating habits and nutrition from a state of awareness and also a state of empowerment for how we can really... like i don't know like take a step back and look at this area of our life and gain more knowledge and tools to help support us in enhancing our overall overall well-being and i know for me like growing up food has always been so important in my family as i'm italian i'm and my dad's german and so it's like food is the epicenter of our family <laughs> i just think that it's such a important conversation to have especially right now when so many of us are in heightened states of emotion so thank you so much for coming on the alchemized life podcast i can't wait to dive into everything and thank you so much for having me i'm super excited to share and what divine timing i I
0: just don't think the timing could be more perfect because yeah it's something that i think you know more people are sharing about and or admitting that they're doing and so it's a great time to also build new habits. So excited to dive in.
1: Yeah. And like for my mom, so she's probably smoked cigarettes for like 40 years, I think. And she mm-hmm. like finally decided to quit smoking. Probably. I think it's been a month now it's, and wow. um, you know, a month ago things weren't quite as crazy as they are now. And so I can see her tendency to reach for a sweet, or ah. reach for food instead, or you know, um, a hard hard kombucha in this time mm-hmm. now. And so, I'm curious, like the work that you're doing, the people that you talk to. What has been like the climate lately of like how to, I don't know, like just like move through this without really falling back or sliding into eating habits that aren't supportive of our mental health or our physical health.
0: Yeah, well I think you know what's so fascinating about this time is obviously there's a lot of stress and overwhelm going on for a lot of people and something that's really a lot of my clients or women who have been emailing emailing me or on social media have been saying I now have this abundance of time and it's making me panic because I'm used to having no time and that that no time or that little amount of time it really distracts us from Dealing with our emotions, dealing with our stuff, dealing with what may be going on inside of us. And when we're so busy to the point that we can't even think or feel, and all of a sudden we have time and people are thinking about their stuff and feeling stuff and not necessarily knowing how to cope or having healthy tools to cope, you know, it may be fueling or creating emotional eating for some people. And for others, it may be fueling that binge eating or that food addiction or people may be in relapse. And I think part of it is because, you know, if you've never established a self-care routine or a ritual or routine to, you know, have time to address and explore your emotions and your feelings. And you don't have healthy tools to cope with emotional eating. And it it just becomes such a deep ingrained habit in your brain. It just the pull to it is just so easy to go to it because it's what you know food is a form of comfort for a lot of people. It's a great way to numb out. It excites the pleasure centers in the brain. Um, And then, you know, we have all these memories stored in our hippocampus that are, oh, remember when you were sad or stressed and you ate that, you know, baked good or that bag of chips and how good you felt. And so people do not understand the depth at which different things going on within us and around us can fuel the emotional eating or the boredom eating, whatever you want to call it. And then that in itself just makes us feel more overwhelmed with. Everything else that's going on right now, mentally, physically, and emotionally, and so that's really what I've been seeing is this this panic because people now have time to take care of themselves or have more time to dedicate, and they it's like a huge shock mm-hmm. so and I think too, because people are you know gathering up more things to have at home in case you know they have to quarantine or if they're in quarantine, all of a sudden they have all these things available maybe in more abundance, and so if they have, you know, food temptations, or there's foods that they maybe normally don't have in the house in abundance, it may be easier to, you know, go and eat more of that and have that internal battle of I don't really want it, but I really want it, and well, it's really stressful time, so I'm going to justify it because this is how I comfort myself. So I hope that helps to explain. But that's really what I'm observing right now is, you know, to me, any reason to emotionally eat is. Anything other than for physical hunger. So, for physical nourishment, you know, that's really why we should be eating and, of course, enjoying our food. But if we're boredom eating, you know, multitasking and eating, eating because we're sad, happy, stressed, overwhelmed, watching TV and eating. Like to me, that's all emotional.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's so interesting because in, I think it was November, I did a broth cleanse or a broth reset and um, was going through a pretty challenging time in my life. And I had done the reset before, but this time I had such a killer headache and was mm. craving sugar like crazy. And the time before, none of this was an issue at all. And so it really gave me perspective of how my emotions do guide my cravings and Mm -hmm. um, how badly I wanted sugar. And so that was like really interesting for me to see is like, oh my gosh, like I'm experiencing a lot of pain in my life, a lot of emotional reactivity and doing this reset at the same time has shown me Mm -hmm. like how badly I want to just like fill that void with sugar. And with cookies and with Whole Food Top Bar.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And you just said something so valuable, which is fill that void. And I think that's one thing a lot of people don't realize is, you know, the binge eating, the food addiction, the emotional eating, whatever it is, we have a void. We have this lack of self love, this lack of self worth. And we try to fill it with things outside of ourselves, whether it is food or, you know, possessions or, you know, shopping or smoking or whatever it is. And, the void just never gets filled. We're never satisfied. And then, you know, you mentioned going on your reset and people do not realize that you can crave different foods for emotional reasons, right? It's not just, um, you know, I eat this food and then I want more of it, but, you know, sugar cravings are very connected to, you know, lack of joy and sweetness in life. And so we will crave sugar as a compensation, If we have adrenal imbalances and and certain hormone issues and and gut flora imbalances, it can fuel those cravings. And so I find as well, because we are not aware of how to tend to those cravings and are, again, those emotional or physical needs, it's just so easy to give into the craving um, rather than, you know, if you're aware and go, wow, I'm having this craving. What may that be about? What's been going on emotionally? Or, you know, where am I on my health journey? This has probably got something to do with some of that. It would just empower us a lot more to be able to fill the void without the Mm self-sabotage. And that's why it's so exciting to explore cravings and mind-body-soul connection because there's so much we can learn by... Tuning in. And so I just would be so curious for you if, you know, that resonated at the time. And, and this, that's something that enhanced your sugar cravings. Because I know for me, I craved sugar, sugar like mad when I hated my body and was in the depth of my food addiction. And, you know, once I overcame that and healed from it, the cravings went away. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's very, very interesting.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I fully resonate with that. And what, is so interesting too, is like whenever I'm at home, I always, am like, I want a little three inch carrot cake from Whole Foods almost every night. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and I was recently in Australia and I did a trip by myself and I had gelato once for throughout the two and a half mm-hmm. weeks. Other than that, I didn't have any sweets. Um, I ate very clean for the most part, unless I was like eating out or in a town that didn't really have a lot of options um, on my road trip. But it was really interesting for me to see that, like, I have this this craving every single night when I'm at home, and while I'm out here, I haven't really even thought once about it. And mm-hmm. so, it's like our environment is so important in um, how we feel and how we allow our emotions to guide us or um, like push us in a direction that might be like unhealthy for us, like, um, you know, on a physical level and on an emotional and mental level. A hundred percent. And I think the biggest thing that people
0: are missing and it's no one's fault. Cause I used to miss it too, is just a lack of awareness. Like, you know, a lack of awareness that what's going on can, I can be feeling that outside of me and and that can unground me and stress me out and fuel me to want to emotionally eat. Or, you know, there may be certain physical imbalances or emotional things that are fueling that. And then, you know, we eat certain refined foods and that can fuel the cravings. And the beauty of having deeper awareness or to embark on that journey is that as you learn, you build this inner peace and confidence with your body and with food, because you can actually address what's actually going on and not have to succumb to the cravings or fight with your ego so hard until you're exhausted and you go, whatever, I'm just going to eat that anyway. And then we get to this point where... You know, when food, especially, you know, our what used to be our trigger foods or the bad foods, um, you know, when those become neutral and you can have it in front of you and look at it and go, I don't really need that right now, or look at it and go, I, I'm going to enjoy some of that mindfully and slowly, and then I'm going to move on. Like, it's just such a freeing, empowering place to get to that anyone can, if we're willing to build awareness so that we can create the freedom right? Mm -hmm. From that, because I just think that regardless of what hand is being given to us outside in the world, if we have... The awareness and the tools to know how to cope. We don't have to fall back into old behaviors. And I guess if we do, there's something else for us to learn. But it's so fascinating because I yesterday was thinking about it and I'm like, if this was me 10 years ago with what's happening right now, I would be deep in binge eating, so afraid, so fearful, giving into the panic, spending all my money that I didn't have on binge food and just feeling absolutely horrible. Um, Because that's really when things got really difficult with the binge eating. And to kind of go, wow, you know, thank goodness I've learned everything I have over the last 10 years because it's really allowing me to cope in a much healthier way right now. Um, You know, it it just really... Like I'd have no desire to binge eat. Like I can't imagine going to the store right now and buying a bunch of ice cream and cookies and baked goods and coming home and doing that. Um, Because I just think when we learn how to cope we can be awake and aware but we can also know that being able to go inside of ourselves you know and tune into our internal state it's one of the most freeing calm places we can be even amongst anything that's going on in the world
1: yeah absolutely and you mentioned this um already but this idea that like the can the connection and the craving to mindfulness tools, to meditation, to connecting to source, and I think that this is going to resonate with so many people. And I'm curious, from like your own journey, what came first? Like, was it the mindfulness tools, or was it this like deep desire to need a way out of the binge eating and the emotional eating?
0: Yeah, and for me, it was really like my you know, low point moment of eating out of the garbage can in the kitchen after finishing a binge and coming back an hour later and going, wow, I'm significantly impacting my health. I may, my body may just not make it one day and I may not be here anymore. And so it really, it really scared me. And then the motivation to change, you know, and the suffering got bigger than the fear. And then I was like, I need to figure this out. And so from there, first it was Assuming, oh, I need, need to just cut out certain foods, sugar, wheat, and dairy, because I'm addicted to them. And once I do that, this should resolve it. And when I did that and it didn't resolve it, then that's where I started to build awareness around my triggers. And so that's when the mindfulness, I guess you could say, started to come in. And you know, building awareness around what would trigger me to eat, and realizing I had like thirty or forty triggers, it kind of blew me away. And then from there, using self care tools like meditation, deep breathing, um, energy work, journaling, you know, yoga, things like that, really started to help to ground me. Because one thing, one of my mentors at the time said to me when I was getting energy work, is the more out of you. Your body you are and the more ungrounded you are, you actually um, unconsciously eat to try and ground yourself Mm. and you don't even realize you're doing it. And so the more grounded you can create yourself to be, the less likely you're going to feel so frazzled to need to eat, to try to resolve that. And then the next phase after that was really discovering I had an intuition as we all do. And that scared the crap out of me, knowing I could feel that I could kind of like foresee things to come and, and use my intuition to make empowering decisions. It really scared me. So I actually went back into binging for a while to suppress it. And I didn't know I was doing that. But I think one of the biggest, most powerful things that the journey gave to me was of course learning how to love my body and love me fully and completely without needing to look a certain way or be a certain weight because I fought with that for my whole life until I was about 25 but I think it really brought me to find my soul and discover I have a soul and like I am a soul in a body and I'm here to serve this purpose rather than just thinking well I'm here for this life and we'll see what happens and I don't really know what's going to happen like it just, it was a gift to, you know, go through that and get to that point. And I needed to go through every single ounce of what I did to get there. But to me, it was, yeah, it was first like thinking it was just physical and then realizing it's physical and emotional. And then wow, there's this whole spiritual piece that is so important for me to address. And, you know, 10 years later, and I will forever continue to grow and deepen connection with myself and and source and like everything because I just think we never stop growing, but we can gain freedom from things like, you know, emotional eating and and heal that relationship with ourselves. Because I came from many lines and generations of food addicts and hoarders and lack mentalities. And so it was really interesting to just see all the things that, you know, at the time I was like, everything is just against me and to and to look back and go, no, like this is just an opportunity for me to heal something really powerful.
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned that you were scared to use your intuition. And first of all, I just want to share that, like, I absolutely love that you include spirituality and this, in, this element into the work that you're doing, because I feel like there's not a lot of people, at least that openly, kind of share from this perspective. Sometimes I feel like the, you know, the eating and the nutrition and anything around like body awareness can be kind of like almost science-based and Mm -hmm. very like cut and dry. And so I love that there is this element of it because I mean, as a business coach, it's kind of the same for me as well. Like spirituality is a huge part of it. And Mm -hmm. um I think when you can bring both of them in, it becomes that much more powerful and that much more impactful. Um, But you mentioned that you were scared to really like use your intuition and that set you back for a little while um, into the binge Mm -hmm. eating again. And it's interesting because when I was in... Um, Australia, I had this experience where I was like, wow, like I actually have a lot of fear that's holding me back from really accessing my intuition because I feel like if I learn too much, then how life is right now won't be enough for me. Mm. And my life won't be good enough from what I open myself up to. And so I'm curious, like, where that fear came from for for you because I think that a lot of people um, listening might have like this subtle fear that they maybe aren't being fully honest with themselves about. Cause so many of us are like, yeah, I want to be intuitive, but, and like, I'm the mm-hmm. same exact way too. Um, but then yeah. I was like, whoa, there is this underlying fear that like, I might learn too much about myself and like come alive too much that life won't be good enough anymore. And that will cause yeah. great discomfort.
0: Oh, for sure. And I I can resonate. I think that was definitely part of it for me. And then like fear of who I would be at my full potential if I allowed this gift to grow and I surrendered and really stepped into it. And like, who would I be without having this like superficial focus on my body and food as well? Because that's just what I've known. And so I think part of it was that unfamiliarity of. Who am I as this intuitive person? Are people going to judge me and think I'm weird? Am I going to lose my community and my friends? Because a lot of them don't... They're not into the same things as me right now. right? And so I think all of that coupled with, I don't necessarily want to know what's going to happen with this situation. I don't want to know the outcome. I think some of that just really scared me in the beginning because I didn't know how to cope with it. I didn't know how to manage my intuition. And I very much am an empath and didn't know how to like manage feeling other people's energy and not taking on other people's stuff. And so I think it all just kind of compiled and would overwhelm me. And then I would go back to food. So I think, um, really learning how to tend to my, my mindset, my energy, um, has been such a valuable learning and learning about vibrations and that, you know, we will ebb and flow and, you know, we want to be in high vibration to attract things and to be feel really connected and, and heal our bodies and minds. But that's also safe to have the anger and the sadness and, you know, that flow. And I think learning to accept that it you're not just going to be always perfectly happy that you can accept and love yourself unconditionally, no matter where you are on that state was so fascinating. And the other thing that really, I think inspired me to want to really delve into and, um, Step into that part of my identity was realizing every time I binge or I sabotage with food, I am attracting things into my life that I don't want. Mm. Because when I'm eating, I'm eating refined foods, I'm overeating which has a negative impact on my digestion my hormones and I feel tired I feel brain fog so the foods themselves are like low vibration foods then I'm pulling my body's vibration down because emotionally and physically she's really stressed out now I'm feeling all the guilt and the shame of doing it and then here I go you know attracting a fender bender or another parking ticket or men who you know are alcoholics and I'm going what the heck is going on and why am I attracting all this lack and Stuff into my life. And when I realized the significant impact that that was having on my intuition and my vibration itself, um, it really was fascinating. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I see when I work with women who run a business or, you know, they have a career because they'll say, every other area of my life is working so well, but it's just this one area that I can't seem to gain a handle on. Or when I do this, like my business doesn't grow as much, or I, I don't make as much money, or I attract the wrong clients, or whatever it is and when and when they're open to receiving this information not only about the way it impacts them physically emotionally but on a spiritual level with a vibration piece they're like blown away but it's a positive inspiration that it helps them think like okay do i want to do this what does it cost me to do this on all levels physically spiritually you know mentally financially etc and then you know from this other standpoint of do i want to keep you know feeling my hormone imbalances do i want to keep you know, negatively impacting my digestion. So I'm kind of going on a bit of a tangent here, but it's it just, it plays such a significant role in every aspect of who we are. And so I think really learning that has helped me to build confidence with my intuition and energy and connection. And I think it's such an important piece of the puzzle that I'm excited to see more and more people open up to because it is so in alignment with all these other things that happen to us on the other levels like physical, emotional, mental. So that is kind of the journey I went on with all of that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I
1: mean I feel like it's like initially if it's if you're not necessarily adding this it can be very contractive and restrictive for people, but mm-hmm. then it's like but look at like how you changing these habits is going to impact every area of your life, how you're going to be raising your vibration, how you're going to be calling in things that are of greater abundance. It yeah. becomes very expansive in that way. And for me, at least, it's like, oh, now it's kind of like, that's like, that's going to be the effect of, mm-hmm. of me making these changes. It's not just going to be something where I have to restrict myself and have like this no. battle with myself about not grabbing for the cookie or not going to the store and buying something that is just like filling that gap again. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's so important for the people who are open to it because the other thing that I find is, you know, you, a lot of women are in service to help other people, which is so great. But where there's a disconnect is when you're deeply in the background struggling with like binge eating, negative self talk, body image struggles. You know, we all have to start somewhere, but then you're also, you know, promoting a service of, I help people with binge eating or I help people with self love or whatever. And you deep down, so deep in your core though, feel like a fraud or you feel like, why, why am I doing this? And just that misalignment. Like, I think it's just so important that we do our work ourselves so that. You know, when we are providing service, we can really support those other people and not get to the point where we have to stop our dream or our craft because we're so overwhelmed and unhealthy because we didn't deal with our stuff first, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It's just something that I think is so important no matter where you are in your life, or if you're a mom or a professional or, you know, just on your own working on your journey, that the sooner you work on it, the more you will open up to all the other gifts that are available
1: for you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that... I mean, I see that with myself. I see that with my clients. It's like the embodiment piece is so important. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people will come up against resistance because what's required of them to change their eating habits, to you know, make it to their next level in their business means that they're going to have to do different things and kind of turn into a different Mm -hmm. person. And so... How do you best suggest working through that resistance to actually committing to showing up for yourself in that way and making those changes necessary for, you know, for you to raise your vibration, to change change your eating habits to achieve those nutritional goals that you have and really get yourself back into a place of alignment and empowerment with your body, with your mental health, with your eating and, you know, all of the things? Mm-hmm.
0: Well, what I think the biggest thing we have to remember about resistance is we have this ego, we have this self-sabotaging mindset, I believe that doesn't want us to change because it wants to have control over us. Because the more control the ego has, the more we suffer. And then we don't live that like free, fulfilling life we could possibly have. And so I think it's important to acknowledge the resistance and go, you know what? I'm feeling very resistant. I don't want to do this right now. This is all my fears and worries and concerns coming up. But at the same time, I'm just going to acknowledge the resistance and gently baby step my way through this invisible wall because there is not a physical brick wall in front of you that's blocking you. It is It is in your mind. So, and some people may say, well, Amber, it's not that easy. Um, But if we just go, you know what? I'm going to acknowledge it. I'm going to take a step forward with something. So whether that's you know starting to block 15 minutes every evening to do some self-care, right? That's going to help to ground you and that will help make you feel in your power and the resistance feel less like it's taking hold. Or maybe it's like, you know what? I'm going to start with... Blocking off my lunch break and taking that 30 minutes and eating mindfully without any distractions, technology, or work. I'm gonna chew my food properly. Like it's it's about starting with one little step, or maybe it's hydration. Maybe you need to up your water, you need to we want to go to bed a half an hour earlier. I think the key is to really acknowledge whatever the emotions are, but to take just a small step forward with something that is attainable and to not set massive goals with small timelines because that's when you're going to set yourself up for that failure and then the, the hopelessness and disappointment come in and then the resistance will come back even stronger yeah um so that is really to me the key is those small little steps because guess what will throw us back into bigger resistance or shut people down really big extreme goals that are not realistic or force, Mm. right? You know, people telling you, well, you need to do it this way. And that's the only way. And if you don't do it this way, you're not going to achieve X goals. So I think it's also important to feel like you're supported in a safe space, whether you're getting support or your family or your friends or whoever it is that is around you, because the safer you feel, And hopefully, ideally, for most of the point of this you're in a judgment-free zone, it will allow, again, I think the resistance to crumble and resolve more easily. When we feel judged, when we don't feel safe, again, we contract. And that's when we don't want to do anything.
1: All right, you guys, let's take a quick break from this episode because let's be real, who doesn't love to sleep? I know I do. So, over this past month, I partnered with Etitude in a bunch of different ways that were so fun. I created a meditation for their Instagram TV. You can find that at Etitude Store. We did a World Sleep Day challenge together. And now they are coming to the podcast so I can share with you how much I love my bamboo silk sheets. Seriously, when I got them, I put them on the bed right away and started rolling around. And it was the softest thing ever. And Might I add that my legs were pretty hairy at that point, but it was still super soft. So once I shaved my legs, oh my God, that sheet feeling, ladies, you already know what I'm talking about. It was heavenly. So if you haven't heard of Attitude, they have a clean bamboo sheets. You've probably heard of bamboo sheets, but Attitude's clean bamboo actually employs revolutionary bamboo bedding technology. It's good for you and the planet. They're so soft and beautiful. I have gray and white striped sheets and they basically make my Pinterest aesthetic come to life. I'm not even kidding. So they're soft, they look good, they're good for the environment. I mean, why would you not have attitude sheets on your bed? We're moving into our new place and I cannot wait to wrap my new bed up in these amazing sheets. And if you haven't tried them before, come on, like we're all at home. There's a 30 day risk-free trial. Why not make your naps and your sleeps the best ever? And if you're not fully satisfied, you can return your sheets for a full refund. They even cover the shipping on returns. Pretty cool, right? So attitude sheets they're soft as silk they're breathable as linen and at the price of cotton you're going to love them I promise you that and when you support our sponsors you're supporting this show as well so you're supporting me and right now my listeners will be getting 20% off their sheet set and free shipping like I said I got the gray and white stripe sheets so cute. Just visit Etitude.com and enter Alchemized at checkout for 20% off your order. The only way to get the 20% off your set of attitude sheets and the free shipping is to visit Etitude.com and enter Alchemized at checkout. Again, that's Etitude, E-T-T-I-T-U-D-E.com and enter Alchemized at checkout for 20% off of your attitude order. Yeah, absolutely. And I was, um, I'm still working through it slowly but surely, but reading The Untethered Soul. And there's an example where the author shares that, you know, growing in our, and the resistance that comes up, it's kind of like a invisible fence for a dog. And like the collar is there and it'll shock the dog um, and it might feel uncomfortable. But if the dog really wanted to get through that invisible fence, it could. And so we Mm -hmm. are the same exact way. It's like, yeah, you're going to have those little ego hits of like, this is uncomfortable this is uncomfortable but it's an invisible wall there it's an invisible fence there and it's the walls of our own building so that means that we are fully powerful enough to break down those walls and to move through it if we want it bad enough and like I think Mm -hmm. that If We can do anything if we want it bad enough. You can achieve absolutely anything if you want it bad enough. And so if the resistance comes up and it's something that's really important to you, know that you are strong enough to get through it. Everyone experiences resistance. And there are so many resources and tools available at your disposal to support you in feeling the fear and moving through it anyways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. And I always say everything you want is on
0: the other side of that fear of resistance and people just always say, "Well, I wish I would have done that
1: sooner because it wasn't that bad actually." <laughs> right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um so with emotional eating, I know that we've talked a lot about like the Impact that it can have on your mental health and just like your spiritual, your spirituality in general. I'm also curious about like on a physical level too. And I know mm-hmm. that you um, had a podcast episode recently about like the toll that it can take on your organs and specifically the liver. And so I'm just really mm-hmm. um, interested in learning more about that of like what what happens when we get too far into a um, habit of an addiction of emotional eating. Yeah, and
0: so. I mean, it honestly has a very significant impact on our physical state of health. The longer you've been in it, the more you've been bouncing back and forth between restriction diets and extreme eating styles. And then you're falling into the emotional eating, the binging, the overeating. You know, It has a significant impact on your digestion, first of all, because you're eating more than normal um, and everyone has a different level of emotional eating. For some people, it could be like... You know, a few pieces of chocolate a couple times a day, all the way to like extreme cases like me, where I was buying a basket full of food from the organic store multiple times a week and eating as much as I could before I just so sick that I had I had to stop. But you know, again, when we're eating these different foods, we're not chewing them properly. We're in stress mode. Um, We can deplete our stomach acid levels, and stomach acid is so important for breaking our protein down. And so, for not breaking our nutrients down properly, and, and we're overeating you know, we're having this force of food come into our small intestine and we can't absorb our nutrients properly. It's agitating the intestinal lining, which creates more inflammation. And it can get compromised to the point where we end up with a leaky gut, which is the food particles are a bit too big. And they're actually, you know, kind of hitting against the intestinal lining, poking little microscopic holes. And then we end up with, you know, food particles and bacteria and just foreign things going into the bloodstream that aren't supposed to be there. And then your immune system coming in and going... You're not supposed to be here. We need to attack you and get rid of you. And then, hello, here's the inflammation, which can show up in the way of like warmth, pain, swelling, redness. So, if you have eczema or psoriasis or rosacea, or say you have an old injury that you find just will not heal and you have pain, or maybe you have an autoimmune condition already, like arthritis, that just you cannot seem to have your symptoms minimized, like these can all be signs of inflammation or, you know, water retention even. It all really stems from the gut and then you create food sensitivities. Your liver is overburdened because you were again, overeating. A lot of you know what people emotionally eat on, it's usually not the best quality foods. I know some people who emotionally eat on healthy things, but just the load um, on your blood sugar, your insulin, your liver ha- having to filter through all of your toxins. And something I didn't know at the time was I actually had a gene mutation that was disabling me from properly um, metabolizing some of my B vitamins. So that was fueling my inflammation even more. And then your gallbladder is taxed if you're eating too much fat, right? And that can increase chances for like gallstones and stuff like that. Um, And then we get into the large intestine, which is where we have our, you know, eight plus pounds of pounds of gut bacteria. And if we've had to take antibiotics, if we're eating lots of sugar, drinking alcohol, foods with yeast in them we're throwing our gut flora out of balance and we're feeding all the unhealthy bacteria and then you want sugar cravings, carb cravings, you will get them because those foods actually feed that yeast and then fuel the cravings you already have. So, you know, brain fog, bloating, discomfort, cramping, changes in bowel movements, low sex drive, weight gain, like there's so many symptoms that can come from just the digestive stuff. And then it impacts your hormone health. Mm. So um, it significantly impacted both of those for me. And you know what I often find for most of my clients is they end up with really high cortisol, which is the stress hormone. Um, so again, just that overeating and then the stressing and the guilt and, and the negative emotions we feel after we eat, and then the panic to get back on the diet or into the exercise routine, all of that raises our cortisol levels. And so the higher the cortisol gets, the more puffy we can feel, the more retained, the sensitive. more sensitive our digestion can get, the more fatigued we are. And all of that fuels cravings because when you're tired and you can't think straight, people go into more of an I don't care mentality. Yeah. And what's the first thing that goes? Good nutrition, self-care. Because they're just like, I'm too tired. I don't care. I'm going to drink that energy drink or eat that you know piece of cake for lunch. I just don't care the thyroid is impacted. I see so many women with underactive thyroids and and they can't lose weight and they're really frustrated because they're trying all these different things and nothing is working. But again, we have to address the emotional eating because if your gut is compromised and your hormones are being compromised, A, both of those physical factors fuel emotional eating. And B, I find that a lot of women are not happy with their bodies and their weight. And so they're assuming the only way to change it is to go on a diet. And then the diets are actually furtherly Having a negative impact on the hormones and the digestion because either they're really extreme, cutting out whole food groups, and or um, because they don't know their current state of health, it's just something that comes in and it just stresses the body out even more. So commonly, very common, see cortisol imbalances, thyroid imbalances, low progesterone, women missing their cycle, you know, very heavy PMS symptoms, lots of menopause symptoms. Um, and then lots of mineral deficiencies created from it as well, vitamin deficiencies. So it's very interesting to see the impact it can have on you know the physical body. And there's obviously other things that each of my unique clients deal with, but those are some of the most common things that I experienced and that I see women dealing with as well when they're emotionally eating
1: it's a lot of stuff i mean yeah as you were um going through all of that i'm like okay yeah i've experienced that at sometimes i've experienced that at sometimes i'm experiencing that right now um Mm -hmm. and then before you also mentioned that it's like it is very individual so it could just be Mm -hmm. you know having a couple of pieces pieces of chocolate multiple times throughout the day um i'm curious like if someone is listening to this and they're like, "Oh shit, am I emotional emotionally eating?" Is it just like, mm-hmm. you know, you know if you're emotionally eating or is there a way for us to like further understand and gain awareness on if mm-hmm. that is like if that is the cause of the symptoms that we are experiencing?
0: Yeah, and I think for some people they'll they know and for some people they may be in denial and not want to admit it. and then for others, they may have no idea and think it's normal because it's just been so accepted by society. You know I, I heard an ad on you know Spotify the other day. it's okay. just eat the whole pint of ice cream And I'm like, you're promoting emotional eating. Like what are you doing? You don't even realize the impact you could have on your listener right now. And I think it's just become Like socially acceptable to brag about overeating or to think that it's normal. Um, So I think for people who are not aware or who are curious, any reason for eating other than for physical nourishment to me is emotional eating. Um, And I think there's a great question we can actually tune in and ask ourselves before we reach for anything, which is, okay, before I eat this, I'm going to check in and go, am I physically hungry or is this emotional hunger? Because if I'm physically hungry, some of the most popular cues are, I get a hunger signal, which is telling me, oh, this is what it feels like to be hungry. My stomach's rumbly or growly. You may notice your blood sugar drop and you get that hangry feeling. You're kind of bitter and hungry at the same time. Um, So, you know... And then you can kind of look at your clock and go, when's the last time I ate today? Was it more than two or three hours ago? Because if it was, you probably physically do need to nourish your body. Um, and if you've just eaten or maybe you ate lunch while you were working or driving and so you weren't present and so it didn't satiate you and now you're reaching for you know, the, the donut or the bag of chips or whatever it is. And so that's when it's good to pause and go, I just ate. What is this really about? Is this a visual trigger that I'm seeing the food? And so that's why I want it, but I physically actually don't need anything. Is it the stress going on and the uncertainty? Did I have a poor sleep? And, you know, that's something I think that's so valuable in building awareness is starting to ask ourselves, like, what maybe has been going on for the last day or two or the last week that's now making me have this pull to want to go to this food. Mm -hmm. Because when we ask questions, we can start to figure out how to answer them. If we don't know how to answer them, then we can, you know, explore other things. But I just think that it can help us build that awareness. And that's so exciting because as you do that, then you have the power to understand what you need to give yourself. To step away from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so you mentioned boredom earlier. I feel like that's like Mm -hmm. a subtle emotion that we probably like wouldn't necessarily initially connect. I think like more so when we think about emotional eating, it's like anger or sadness. Um, Mm -hmm. But what are some other like emotions that you would say are pretty subtle that can also trigger food cravings? Happiness. You'd never really think, but for some of my clients, it's like
0: they're so happy and then they associate it with just going all out with food. Definitely the boredom. I actually find resistance to be Mm -hmm. a emotional eating trigger and procrastination is a huge one um, because people are going, Oh, I have to get that thing done, but I'm just going to eat first. And then they may finish and they're, they're full and uncomfortable, but they're going, Oh, I really don't want to do that. So what else can I find? Um, so those are, I think some of the emotions that may be a bit more subtle, But I find, you know, for some people, it's all across the board; like everything triggers them to emotionally eat. And then for some women, it's very specific, and there's maybe like five or six key things. And some of them are even emotional. It's again, it's like the multitasking and eating, or it's they associate TV and food always, or Mm -hmm. you know, they're dehydrated, and that's actually fueling the emotional eating. So it's very fascinating to see what is common across the board and then what are each individual person's unique triggers?
1: Yeah. I mean, I just, you rattling that off. I'm like, boredom for me. Yep. Resistance and procrastination. Yep. I mean, I Mm -hmm. had a with Sahara Rose and she was talking about how like our resistance will, will flow in when we're like on the verge of a breakdown and then we'll be like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I can have a cookie right now. And I like, actually after i had that conversation with her i was like writing something for my course that i was creating um last year and had that exact experience and i was like oh shit this is the resistance coming up right now like sit down and continue doing this work because you're gonna have a breakthrough on the other side and so it's very interesting to see just like the subtlety of a lot of emotions that so many of us experience and might not necessarily connect to being an emotional tendency to grab for food just so again coming back to awareness like it's the most powerful Thing and asking yeah. the right questions too, so we can get to the bottom of why it is that we're actually reaching for something and if it's to fill a void or if it is because we like actually physically need it. A hundred percent. And
0: like 99% of the time, usually anyone I talk to goes, It was emotional. It was a very rare occurrence that it was actually physical hunger. So
1: is so you said yeah. like two to three hours, is that kind of like when the physical, and I know it's individual based off of everyone mm-hmm. and like how much you eat, but is two to three hours usually like a good uh, starting point for when we should be spacing out our meals or like when we should kind of like have those, um, have that awareness around what is actually like a physical hunger ping?
0: Yeah, for sure. And so I think for me, what I always go with and what I see usually with my clients as well is eating something within a half an hour of waking up because when you're emotionally eating and you're in the state of stress, for which for whatever reasons, your blood sugar is more sensitive. So the more we can regulate your blood sugar... And you know, even if you have just something small within a half an hour and then you eat your breakfast, you know, an hour later to just wake up your metabolism, your hormones, your digestion, your energy. But then yeah, I say, you know, if we're eating nourishing meals that have proteins, fats, and healthy carbs, it should sustain us for two to three hours. If you're and this is an example of a smoothie. So I have a lot of clients who we start working together and they're having smoothies and smoothies can be awesome, but throwing some yogurt and fruit and water into a blender. You're probably gonna be hungry in about 20 minutes, and they always say, Well, I'm hungry so fast. Like, this isn't satiating. And then I go, Okay, let's add a green in there. Let's add some fat, you know, flax seeds, avocado, nut butter, whatever it is. And we need a good protein, and I love collagen because it's. Tasteless, it dissolves. It helps the gut, and so then they're going, "Wow, I'm satiated for a couple hours." So that's you know how you know. So if you're you're like, "I'm eating really good things, but I'm hungry really fast," it may be that you're missing a component, or that there's a hormone imbalance going on that's making you burn through things more quickly. Um, and then I'm all about snacks. So I always say, "Well, if you feel like you need something halfway through your meals, add in a snack." You know, apple and nut butter, hummus and veggies, rice cake with you know avocado or guacamole and cucumber, just whatever is resonant for you. Um, because the more stable we can keep the blood sugar, the more we're preventing emotionally eating or later day binge eating or our cravings from getting worse. For women who you know aren't eating breakfast because they want to lose weight and then they start... I see a significant decrease in the afternoon cravings and emotional eating because now they're actually regulating their blood sugar.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so powerful to make those changes and I feel like it mm-hmm. happens pretty quickly too. Like you yes. see the results pretty quickly as far as like how you feel, your energy levels, your cravings later on in the day. I I know mm-hmm. for myself like I would eat for, for probably like two years, I would have a piece of toast with some avo, an egg on top. Um, and sometimes like bacon or a piece of sausage. And that would be like my morning. And Mm -hmm. I buy around like 12 o'clock or one o'clock, I'd be like, okay, I'm ready to have my, ready to have my lunch. And then, you know, once I got off work, I'd have a little snack and then I'd have my dinner a little bit later and it was good. But then it's like when I, if I skip breakfast or if I just do like a bulletproof coffee and I'm not eating until like Mm -hmm. two o'clock later at night, I'm like, okay, what sweets can I have? And so it's really yeah. interesting to just like see the difference between when you are just like keeping it, keeping it equal, like a, a nice equilibrium throughout the day versus just like loading up on just oh, yeah. like one or two meals. Mm-hmm. And I think the diet
0: conditioning and all the diet stuff out there right now, it really, people are desperate for answers of how to, you know, have quick fix or how to, you know, lose the weight or how to stop emotionally eating. And we assume a diet is what's going to do that, um, even though it, it really isn't. Um, so if we've learned like, oh, fasting in the morning is gonna help me through this or you know, just having something really small or skipping breakfast or whatever, I find it actually anything restrictive or anything like that for anyone who struggles with emotional eating, nine times out of ten, it fuels the cycle of it. It doesn't help to resolve it. And so that's why I think it's so important for us to eat regularly to Get into or undo that old diet programming and also deal with any food fears that we may have created by doing restrictive eating or, you know, oh, well, this book said that I shouldn't eat breakfast. And it's, you know, to address all of that old programming as well that has come along because here's the resistance again. Some people are resistant to eat more, to add more in for fear that they're going to gain weight. But then once they do, they realize how much better they feel and they they don't gain weight. Their bodies heal,
1: right? So. Yeah. I mean, so, okay. So people, when you're working with clients, it's like working through food fears, understanding the emotional triggers, starting to make healthier habits. How can people work with you? And like, what would you say is the best place to start with just like diving into all of your content?
0: Yeah. So I... There's a few different avenues people can take. I have a podcast called the No Sugar Coating Podcast available on all podcast apps in my website. And so I talk a lot about all of this and more um, through my own experiences and just you know different things that I've learned and grown through. So that's a great resource. My website is amberapproved.ca. And there I have a free emotional eating quiz to just maybe give you a bit more of an idea. I talk about what body freedom is to me. and, And that's what I try to provide to my clients. And then I offer a thirty-minute complimentary body freedom call for women who are really ready and want to, you know, commit to making some changes and, and want that support through the hormone issues, the digestive issues, the weight struggles, the lack of self-love, and the emotional eating, um, because they all are so tied together. And it's it's not often that I don't see all of those things. I do, of course, work with people who just have one or two. But yeah, those are some of the places that people can go. And then I'm always sharing stuff on Instagram, um, especially right now with everything going on. I think it's important to, you know, provide some more information and support. So, um, and that's just my name on Instagram, which is Amber romaniak So, and I think, yeah, the first step that I always go through with people is thoroughly assessing their health so that we know where to start. We know what the root causes are so we can really focus on that rather than blindly just hopping into an eating style and addressing the emotional eating triggers right off the bat. But just taking step-by-step. It's a mindful process. It's not a rush. Mm. It takes time to make changes. And I think it's important for people to be open to that um, so that they can get where they want to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can just see how impactful the work is. And I'm so excited to go to your website and take that test for myself and see once and for all. (laughs) Uh, So the last thing that I ask all my guests is just how we can support you. We would love to be able to dive into your content more. I'm so excited to share all of the links to your podcast, to your website, to your Instagram um, in the show notes. But is there anything else that we can do to support you and your work? I think it's just if you like what you hear on the podcast
0: leave a review share it with a friend tell somebody you think who may you know resonate or be helped by sharing and you know for people who are in a state where they're going I really want to get help right now but I'm scared because I don't know if I want to spend any money right I've I've had those conversations with you know a lot of women is that you know I'm always happy to meet people where they're at and I'm offering kind of like a 90-day program to support people right now if they really are wanting to dive in, but just want to kind of take a little bit of a start with what's going on. So um, yeah, I think the biggest thing though is is check out the information, leave feedback or a comment. And my goal is that
1: hopefully it plants some good seeds for whoever listens or reads it. Absolutely. I feel like we have so many good seeds right now from this conversation. So thank you so much for coming on, Amber. I'm so grateful that we had this conversation. Me too.